We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Let's Lord. Let's get started this morning and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so grateful uh, for your great mercy. We are grateful for your wonderful love that you've given us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, as we look through the book of Jonah, God, I pray that you will open our hearts, that you will challenge us, that you will encourage us to evaluate ourselves, to test our faith. And God, I just pray as I open your word this morning that it will go forth to your people and that it will be an encouragement to look to you in prayer. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be here this Sunday morning as all across the world persecuted churches. One of the most fearful days of their week is to come together with the fear of being exposed. And as we see men and women on trial for simply confessing Christ as Lord, Lord, we are grateful for the freedom You've given us here in America. God, we thank You for all the many blessings You've bestowed upon this church. We pray for those who are not here this morning to keep them safe, to watch over them in their travels, and also those that do not know Christ and are not here because they don't have a relationship. God, we thank You for Daystar and their willingness last night to come and, and open up an opportunity to see people come and from the community to hear the Gospel of Jesus Christ through the singing, through the preaching of Your Word. And God, I pray this morning as I preach the Word that You will fill me and empower me with the Holy Spirit, God, that I might speak the truth of Your Word in love and in encouragement. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, we've been looking through the book of Jonah for several weeks now. And last week we looked, if you remember it, three things. Three points that would hopefully help us or prevent us from running from God. We saw, number one, the need to develop a healthy fear of God. We saw doing this, in doing that, having a healthy fear of God, we saw that God... In His Word, says we will profit from that. That we will become profitable if we continue to have a healthy fear of God in our walk with Christ. Second, we looked at that we need to develop a healthy reliability on God. These men were instructed to do something a certain way. And until they completely relied on God, they remained in their circumstances. And so we need to make sure that we continually have this reliability on God. And then thirdly and finally, we saw that we need to develop this healthy worship of God. And through the beginning of the book, we see the men on the boat began to develop a, a fear. They feared the Lord. And, and then it increased. They, they became extremely frightened. And then in the last part, chapter 1, we see they feared the Lord greatly. There was a development of fear. And so we need to, through that fear, develop a healthy worship of God. And we saw these men as they began to 
realized that the God they were dealing with was the big G God, not the little G God they had prayed about early in the chapter. But now they started and they said, God, we will make sacrifices to you and we make vows to you. And that's what they did. And so we learned it's important that we develop a healthy worship of God. And then as we've looked at the division of the whole book, in whole, we see four things. In chapter 1, we see here Jonah on the land disobeying God. He's running in the opposite direction from where God called him. And then in chapter 1, verses 4 to 17, we see Jonah on the sea fighting with God. And really here we preach two messages. The effects of running and how we can overcome the temptations of running from God. This was a transition from fighting with God to pleading with God. And let us not forget that disobeying God sometimes equals fighting with God. And then in chapter 2, we see Jonah under the sea, pleading with God. And then finally, chapter 3 and 4, we see Jonah back on dry land, obeying God. And so there's a parallel there. If we are truly pleading with God, then sometimes and most of the time, we will see obedience in our life. But if we have disobedience, we will see fighting. And so today we're going to continue that study in Jonah. We're going to look at Jonah's plead with God. Or you could call it Jonah's prayer to God. Well, if you will, this morning, let us open up the text, Jonah chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 10. Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. It reads this, I'm reading from the New American Standard. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish, and he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depths of Sheol, and you heard my voice. For, I had, for you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I've been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. And I descended to the roots, the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought me up. You have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I vow I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. As I read this text this morning and as I studied it this week, I can't help but think about the prayer of Jonah. We've been studying through the first chapter. We've really looked at it in pretty good detail about the life and the actions of this prophet Jonah. And here in this passage today, we learn a valuable lesson in the actions of Jonah. You know, several years ago, when my daughter Annabelle was two years old, and she doesn't probably remember this, but her mother and I remember it well, uh, she developed this thing on her knee where it swole up and began to bother her 
And we thought, you know, maybe she bumped it, but there was really no proof that she had bumped it or scratched it, but it just kind of swelled up. And so we waited for a day or two to see maybe she bumped it. We thought the swelling might go down, and so it never did. She became sick, and she started running a fever, and so we got concerned, and so obviously we took her to her doctor, a pediatrician. And after viewing her situation, the doctor said, we want to send you to a specialist. We want the doctor, the specialist, to look at the knee to make sure there's not something going on inside of it that's causing all of this on the outside. And after viewing her situation, uh, the specialist said, you know what, I think we need to draw some fluid off the knee to make sure there's not anything going on. So they did that. He looked at it, he drew some fluids off. And I'll never forget that day. Here was my first child. Never been a parent before. The doctor looks at us and she said, he says she's got staph infection in her knee. And she's in need of surgery right now. And so Jennifer and I, confused, not knowing what to do, saying, well, should we get a second opinion? He says, listen, you need to get her surgery right now. It could kill her. And I remember that day really well. My daughter wasn't able to really communicate. She wasn't able to say, Daddy, this is what's wrong. She couldn't really talk that well. So we agreed, let's, let's go get her to the hospital and let her go through the surgery. And, and she laid there on that bed. And she looked at me helpless. Not able to communicate again. But I could see it in her eyes. She just wanted me to, to look at her in her eyes and say, Daddy... Am I going to be okay? And as I tried to be a strong father, I looked at her and I said, You know what, baby? Everything in me wants to cry because I don't know. But I said, Everything's going to be okay. God's in control. And He's going to take care of you, whatever that looks like. And so, inside I was destroyed. I was hurt. Nothing like this had ever happened before in my life. Nothing... Uh, ever in my life, God finally showed me a situation that was 100% out of my control. You know, as a new believer, I, I was able to take care of all of my situations. But here, the first time, I wasn't able to do that. I had to completely trust in God. I want to ask you this morning, does any of you here know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been in a situation that's so stinking hard that you don't know how to deal with it? There's nothing you can do about the situation. You're helpless. Living life. Having no control of your situation. And simply having to trust God is hard. Well, I think that's what's happening here in the life of Jonah. He's admitted to his sin. Yes, God, I know I've run. He explains to these men in the storm, listen, if you will just throw me over the board, the sea will become calm. And so Jonah's thrown overboard into a raging sea that eventually, yes, though the sea becomes calm, we learn that he has no control of his situation. And all he can do at this point is trust God. 
He was thrown overboard. These men thought he was dead. And I'm sure Jonah in his mind thought, I'm going to die. Listen, there are a few things this morning that I want us to learn from this passage that will help us get through the mundane things of life. To get through things when we're living life, when, we, when, it, when life is completely out of our control. Three things I want you to get out of this this morning. Number one, acceptable prayers come in times of need. Number two, acceptable prayers come in obedient minds. And thirdly, acceptable prayer come in trust and anticipation. Here in the first verse, we see a new Jonah. A different Jonah. A Jonah that seems to be no longer running. Maybe because he couldn't run anymore. Because God had put him in a place where he was unable to do what he wanted to do. But he's pleading with God now. And when we plead with God, it helps us to be what? Obedient. Number one, our first point is acceptable prayers come in time of need. Let's read the first few verses. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord from the stomach of the fish, and he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord. He answered me. I cried for help from the depths of Sheol, and you heard my voice. Here we see something different in Jonah. We've looked at all of chapter 1. We've seen the sailors cry out to their little g-gods. We've seen them even ask Jonah, Hey Jonah, why don't you get up and pray to your God? Maybe He'll save our lives. But in all of chapter 1, we're not told of one single place that Jonah prays to God in the midst of the storm. He didn't pray when he went down to Joppa. He didn't pray when he went down into the bottom of the boat. He didn't pray when he was cast out into the bottom of the ocean. It was only when he got as low as he could go that Jonah prays. It says Jonah prayed from the stomach of the fish. You see, acceptable prayers come in time of need. The Hebrew word here used for prayed is used 79 times. Listen, don't get confused here. 79 times the Hebrew word is translated here, prayed. And out of that 79 times, 75 times is translated pray, praying, or prayed. Okay, and of that 75 times, the Hebrew word here is translated prayed. Okay? It's used 28 times as prayed. In every circumstance, maybe one you could argue with, but I looked at all 28 of them, and in every circumstance, it's used in time of need. Somebody was praying for something they needed. Not only Jonah is he in a time of need, he's in a pretty weird place. I don't know about you, but I've never been in the belly of the fish. I've eaten the belly of a fish, but I've never been in it. He's in the belly of a fish. And to me, that's very encouraging. Because no matter what's going on or where we are, no matter your situation or how low you really are, there's no place too inappropriate to plead with God. 
If you're low this morning, it doesn't matter where you're at. You can plead to your God. Pray to Him. And listen, running sometimes puts us into some really odd places. But nowhere is too far fetched for God to hear our cry. You know, as I prepared this sermon, I came in on Friday and I worked on this sermon. I'd never met Wilma before. I never heard her testimony. Matter of fact, I know many of you might think, well, Stuart brought a southern gospel group in here. Get some southern music. I had nothing to do with choosing the band. (laughs) I never heard their music until last night, you know. But we heard a testimony from Wilma about her son being imprisoned. And it wasn't until then he began to plead with God. You see, God puts us in places where we have no choice but to plead with Him. The best thing is sometimes it takes you being on your back before you look up. Her son experienced that. We see the life of Jonah. He's experiencing that. You might be at your lowest of lowest, but God can hear you. You might be behind bars when you hear this message. Or you might be going there and yet you not know it. But God can hear you through the solid concrete walls. I've seen it happen. When I was in Columbia, we had a prison ministry. And let me tell you folks, some of the most godly men you will ever meet are in the confined walls of a prison. They got nothing else to do but read the Word. And my hope and pray is they train those pastors in prison and they give them biblical diplomas and they ship them off to another prison is that they continue to work and serve the Lord there because they're reaching people we will never reach. Listen, God has a remnant everywhere. And sometimes we're blessed when we're put at the lowest point of our lives. You might be somewhere you have no business being this morning. God can hear your cry when you're there. You know, many times when we're in the middle of our sinfulness, when we're sinning in life, We can't help but to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. And what do we do? We want to cry out to God, God, get me out of this situation, please. I need you to to help me with this. You might be so far from God as you walked into this building this morning that you think the roof's going to fall in. I've heard people say it when you invite them, I can't go there, the roof will fall in if I come into that church. Well, it didn't fall in when I came in. You're okay. I promise you. We see Jonah here crying out from this fish. But we see him crying out in distress as well. What's your need this morning? What's your distress this morning? Listen, acceptable prayers come in time of need. Pray. God is waiting for you to turn your life to Him. To pray, to ask Him, to forgive you, to repent, turn back to God. For that's the only way we're truly saved. And when we are saved, He wants us 
to walk as a light into a dark world. And sometimes, like Jonah, he gets thrown in the ocean into a belly of the fish so that God can bring him back to himself. For my wife and I, we knew that there was nothing we could do to fix the problem. We couldn't heal Annabelle. We couldn't do anything to help her. We couldn't even make sure that she knew she was going to be alright because they had done put her to sleep. And that was hard for me as a father. But even in the middle of that hospital, in the confined spaces of that hospital room, with all my family surrounding me, brothers and sisters in Christ, were praying. And my prayers came in a time of need. I didn't ask for some kind of miracle. I just wanted to know God was in control. And that He was taking care of my baby. That's what I wanted to know. Jonah is a running missionary. And he knew that even from the belly of the fish, God could hear his plead. And he was in a time of need. And so he prays. And he was acceptable to the Lord. And listen, don't confuse with needs with wants. Many of us, though we have needs, we think they're needs. And they're not really needs or desires, and we want to know why God is not answering our prayers. What is a real need? You know, I, I need a new Chevrolet Z71 pickup truck. You know, I see around here. My truck's dead. It's, it's died right out there right now. Lord, I said, you know, I need a new Chevrolet. Uh, he ain't going to answer that, I don't believe. He may want to bless me with that. That's okay. But that's not a need. What we need is salvation in Christ. What we need is to be delivered so we can bring glory to God. God doesn't promise us good health. Nowhere. Nowhere in Scripture does God promise us good health. We don't need good health. What we need is to be saved so we can glorify God when we have cancer. That's what we need. You may have run, you may have hidden, but the reality is you can never get too far gone from God's mercy and grace. For God hears our prayers, and unless the Lord turns you over to a depraved mind, which I pray that does not happen to any soul in this community or across the world, but if you are crying to the Lord and pleading to the Lord with true repentance, God doesn't shut the door. On those that are knocking. He answers those prayers in times of need. We know that acceptable prayers come in time of need, but we also need not miss, number two, acceptable prayers come in obedient minds. At this point, I think we know well the story of Jonah, at least the first chapter, and how he was a runner. He was running from God, trying to flee the presence of God. Doing things in his own way and in his own ability. And somewhere in chapter 1 we start to see a change in this man, Jonah. We start seeing him do things differently. He begins to admit his sin. 
He submits to the Lord's will of telling these men, in order to settle this storm, you need to throw me overboard. You see, Jonah didn't jump. I don't know why he didn't jump. If he knew that's what saved him, why didn't he jump? But he told them, you want the storm to stop? You throw me overboard. Then we see him taken back to pleading with God instead of being disobedient to God. We know that pleading leads to obedience. Verse 3 to 6 reads this, For you had cast me into the deep, into the hearts, the heart of the sea, and the current engulfed me, and your breakers and billow passed over me. So I said, I've been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again towards your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my heads, and I descended to the roots of the mountains. And the earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Jonah is now starting to show some true marks of a believer. He's starting to be obedient even in his thinking. And listen, murmuring and complaining about things, living in rebellion are not marks of a true believer. They're not marks of true acceptable prayers. We need to have minds that are willing to accept the things of God. Jonah could have complained in the middle of the storm. God, why do you have me here? What's the problem, pal? Has anybody ever done that? (laughs) Uh, I have. He could have murmured about his situation, but instead we see something different. We see the marks of a true believer. We see a runner in chapter 1. And now we see a man that is living a different life. Not a life of deception that we see in chapter 1. But the running is over. And a matter of fact, he can no longer run. But what we see is a a man that understands the sovereignty of God. He says, you cast me into the deep. And your breakers and billows passed over me. God owns them and Jonah sees that. I was at the point of death, as low as I could get, even to the root of the mountains, to the point of the earth, with the bars around me forever. Jonah understood and knew that he was in a place he could not get out of. Now listen, I know that I could try to interpret what Jonah's prayer means and exactly what's going on, but I don't feel comfortable doing that. But what I do see is that he understands through his prayer, he's where he's at and he can't get out. Jonah knew that he couldn't get out. His situation that that he was in, God placed him in. And only God could deliver him from the pits of the sea, the belly of this fish. I wonder how are you responding to odd places God has got you in. Some of you are in the belly of the fish. Not literally, but some of you in odd places. And God is trying to teach you a lesson. 
And you can begin to come out of that place, the place of bondage, if you will begin to what? Plead with God instead of disobeying God. Some of us in the belly of the fish and we're standing up and we're fighting, we're kicking, we're, we're going to get out of this fish and we're going to swim up to the top. Instead of, you know what, God? <laughs> I've really messed up. I'm in a place of disobedience and I simply need to turn my life over to You. Allow You to be the Lord of my life. I must say this, I don't think some of you to, to think I'm preaching some prosperity preaching or teaching some kind of liberation theology. Some of you are in a place where you've put yourself. And you think God has you there. And God is waiting on you to pick yourself up. And just stop having some kind of pity party in your life and get out of the situation you're in. God doesn't put us in every corner, in every place. Some of us are going through struggles. God, why you got me going through this? Why do I have this lung cancer? Why do I have this lip cancer? God, why did you give me this? Well, Stuart, you're the one who chewed tobacco for 18 years. You're the one who smoked cigarettes for 20 years. Why is it my fault? Now you want me to deliver you from the problem. Listen, we don't worship a genie in a bottle. Our God is not a Santa Claus God. He is the creator of the universe. And some of us are having pity parties and we simply need to go, you know what, God? Forgive me. I'm going to get back on track and I'm going to trust in the power and the, the hope of Jesus Christ to deliver me from this. That's what we need to do. Jonah is in a place that God has him. He's run. And God is treating him this way for a reason. Now did... Jonah is developing an obedient mind in which we know that acceptable prayers come with obedient minds. Listen, troubles brought about God by God are not intended to make you have enmity with God. Those who are in true places where God has them to deliver them back to God, He hasn't placed you in them so that you have enmity with God. But He's placed them in your life so that you can begin to have intimacy with God. Psalm 119.67 reads this, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, I keep your word. Cause and effect. The affliction that was caused in his life brought him to a place of a keeping His Word. Psalm 119.71 says, It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn Your decrees. It says, I have been expelled from Your sight, Jonah says. But all of this was to draw Jonah back to himself. And here in his prayers, he makes known who God is. With all that's going on, all the troubles all the deathly situations, all the areas that I've been placed, I couldn't get myself out of it, O oh Lord. You brought me up 
my life from the pit, O Lord God. His mind is being renewed into an obedient mind. One that will not run, but one that will dig in and do the work that God has called him to do. Acceptable prayers come in obedience minds. When we look, when things look like they will not work, when life seems like, you know what, this is out of control, that time seems to have no end, when death is knocking on your door, when the impractical things of life seem to clash with the reality of life, what will you do? Will you submit this morning to have an obedient mind? What do I mean? This. First Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, one of my favorite joy from one of my favorite verses. <clears throat> Reads, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Why do we pray? Because we are obedient. For we know the will of God. Why do we not pray? Because we're disobedient. Why are we disobedient? Because we fight with God. And so why are we obedient? Because we plead with God. James 5.16 reads, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Are you praying this morning? Listen, I don't know about you, but I can improve on my prayer life. Prayer is what helped Jonah be delivered from the belly of the fish. Are we praying as a church, as individuals, for our spouses, for our children? Are we praying? Or are we living our life cozy and sweet, loving on our spouse, never praying for them, expecting life to be dandy? We're Christians and we're called to pray. Starts with an obedient mind. You know what? I'm going to pray. I'm going to work harder on praying because I want to be obedient to the Lord. That day in the hospital, I was upset. And I questioned, why? You know, why? She didn't cut herself. She didn't bump her knee. She just developed staph infection. Why? Where did that come from? And I know many of you can sit here and ask why. I know that. And you've had to ask yourself why in situations that I couldn't imagine being in. But I prayed out of obedience to God. That He would have His way in Annabelle and that He would teach Jennifer and I something through this. Acceptable prayers come in times of need. Acceptable prayers come in obedient minds. And lastly, acceptable prayers come in trust and in hope. Trust and anticipation. I don't know how my notes are different from my slides, but that's the way it works. Sometimes my brain thinks in anticipation and I go, you know what, why just make it easy and say hope? 
So whatever fits your description the best. Anticipation or hope? I don't know what would come of Annabelle. Were there risks? Of course there were. I knew she was very sick. And I know to you and others that may not seem like a big deal. But for me as a new believer, a new follower in Christ, I never had to trust in God for anything. This was the first test of trusting in God that I'd ever been a part of. And as I talked to a dear brother of mine, Jimmy Farabee, on the phone, he encouraged me, Stuart, trust in God. There's nothing you can do. Why worry about it? God is in control. Trust in God. And that's what I did. Though it was hard, I trusted. Jennifer and I had a hard time, but we kept the face trusting that God was in control. That didn't make it easy, but we wanted to keep the faith in God during this hard time in our lives. Jonah says in verse 7 to the end, While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. My prayers came to you, to your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. That which I vowed, I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. Jonah, even in the midst of fainting away, remembered God. When our lives feel like we're going to die inside, we need to remember the Lord. And some of you are examples of that. Listen, you know, when I was here for the first month, the first two months, this message wouldn't have meant that much. But now as I look out across the crowds, I know you as individuals. And I know the secrets of your life. I know the struggles of your life. I know the pain and the suffering you've been through. And I know the pain and the suffering that you're living through right now today. And while Jonah was fainting away, like many of you may be fainting away, he remembered the Lord. Don't grow weary in that. Don't grow weary in praying when God doesn't seem to answer. Because He's faithful even when we're faithless. If you've stopped praying about some healing, some situation, remain faithful in praying for God. To God. For either you or that person. And you pray until they're gone, and then you can honestly say, you know what? I prayed and it wasn't God's will to be healed. But what did God teach me through this? Now that I can help another brother or sister in Christ with. Jonah reminds us that even though he was going through a hard time, he trusted even though that God had brought him into the belly of this fish. He would pray. He would make commitments to the Lord and vows. But Jonah reminds us that trust and hope is only in God. Not in ourselves. Not in our own abilities. Not a little g, but the big G. Jehovah God. 
He said in verse 8, those who trust in idols forsake their faithfulness. Listen, in our culture, in a time like our people want to worship their own way, their own God, their own created philosophical reasoning, if you remember those men on the boat, they cried out to their gods. But Jonah knows the Lord. And though he was running, he's now back pleading relationship with God. Praying in trust and in hope or in anticipation. His hope was that God would deliver him from the depths of this sea, from the belly of the fish. He said, I would sacrifice. Looking to the hope of being brought forth, he said, salvation is from the Lord. You know, I find it interesting. He said, I've been expelled from your sight in verse 4. But then right after that he says, nevertheless, I will look again towards your holy temple. He had a hope. He had a trust and a faith in God that He was going to be delivered. He knew He had a job to do and God wasn't letting Him off the hook. It was time to get the work done. And so He trusted in God. After Jonah prays in his time of need with an obedient mind and a trust and an anticipation or hope, we see the great mercy and deliverance of God. God is still God and He is in control of this fish and He commanded the fish. The Lord commanded the fish and then it did what it was told to do. Listen. You ever talk to a fish? Okay. I ain't never talked to a fish either. God is the one that people listen to. You want to see people brought forth in salvation? Share the gospel. And watch God work in their lives. Listen, if you're in the belly of the fish, I can't tell the fish to get up and get them up on the dry land so we can hear. All I can do is tell you the truth and allow God to say, get up. See the gospel. Understand the gospel. Believe the gospel. That's God's job. It's our job to present the truth of Scripture. God is in control. He's sovereign over all things. And what we have is Jonah in a place that he can't be removed from by himself. But through pleading with God, God delivers him into safety. Where is your hope? Is it in yourself? You can't get out alone, folks. Her son can't be delivered out of jail on his own because law has him there. All he can do is be faithful. That somehow, some way, if God in His sovereignty chooses a ministry outside of those prison walls, all he can do is prepare for what God has planned. And through that, he's being faithful, obedient with trust and hope that God's going to use him whether he's in or he's out. 
We need to be the same way in our daily lives. He is the only way. John 14 tells us that. And He can claim that because He went to the cross. And He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Me, Jesus Christ. Jonah's prayer and plead allow God to be glorified. You know, Annabelle was alright. She's still here with us, praise God. Though we spent Christmas in the hospital that year, many more days watching her heal as we had to feed her medicine through a Broviac into her chest, which was pretty frightening for Mother and I. It was not easy in the middle of that storm, but God was faithful. And we were blessed to have that outcome. God doesn't say He's going to give us some wonderful outcome. He never tells us that. But what He does say is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And in the middle of fighting and warring and waging against the princes of palaty and the spirits of evil, He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, let the running end. Stop running from God. If God has you in a place that you can get out of on your own through the power and strength of Christ, get out. Stop waiting on the Lord to remove you. You know, the old joke is that a flood comes about and a Christian climbs up on the roof and helicopter comes. Get up. Nah, God's going to deliver me. Boat comes. Come on, hop in. No, God's going to deliver me. He ends up drowning. He goes to heaven. God says, He says, God, why didn't you deliver me? He said, Dude, I sent you a helicopter and a boat. Why didn't you get out? God sometimes allows us to get out. Get out. And glorify God through that. Be faithful to pray and trust God that He is in control. He is teaching you something that will bring glory and honor to Him and bring you back into a right relationship with God. Have you trusted in Christ this morning for your salvation? I would plead with you to do that. To really lay your life out for Christ and to say, Christ, you know, I'm a sinner. Uh, the Bible tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And so we've all sinned. And that sin separates us. And Isaiah understands it. And he says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. But God in His great love and mercy loved us first. Not that we loved Him, but that He first loved us and sent His Son Jesus Christ to die for us. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Because when they buried Him, just like Jonah went into the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so Christ went into the grave three days and three nights. And though they thought He was dead, He wasn't dead. In Christ, though they may think He's dead, He's alive. And He says, if you call on Me, you will be saved. But if you try to do it on your own, and you try to get out of that fish on your own, you'll stay in the fish. And oh, you'll see Christ. Because the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I love Paul Washer. He says, don't even think I'll ask you to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. He is the Lord of your life. 
whether you accept Him or reject Him, because God has given Him a name above all names that every name, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And some of us will bow out of the grace that has been given to us, but others will bow because God will make them bow. And you can do that today right there in your seats. You don't need some preacher to save you. Simply say, you know what? I believe I'm a sinner. And today I'm going to put my faith in trust. We've brought the message to you today. Believe in Jesus Christ. Keep your faith in the message of salvation. For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Let us pray.